Thanks for checking out the Ideal Impact Podcast, where we discuss five key skills and the impact they can have on your life as well as some major issues in society. You ready to get after it? We're live! That's the energy that I'm looking for. Yes! Nailed it. Okay. Not terrifying at all. <laughs> you're not expecting after- it, it'll throw you off. <laughs> You've heard the podcast, Lena, you know. It's true. And I, I laugh every single time. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I can't even front. <laughs> like, all right. So, welcome to episode number seven, everybody. Joining us today is a very good friend of mine, Lena Dubavaya, and we are going to get into her background. We're going to be tying into the skills, and we're going to get into some intentional questions at the end. But in the beginning, as we have adopted as a tradition, I was searching for my words there. Without, I was trying not to use filler words. And if anybody hears me say "right," call me out. Like, you just said it. Well, yeah, obviously, don't don't say it. <laughs> you took it. You took it pretty literally. I Wait, like that. prior prior to this, I do want to tell a story real quick. So back in the day when we were talking about doing a podcast, we used to use the word um a lot when we would talk to each other. And every time you said um or ah, uh, you owed how many burpees? Five burpees? One burpee? One burpee per per um or ugh. We actually stopped even saying the words and started spelling them out just to break the habit. So many burpees later, we are cured. I like it. <laughs> um, damn it. See, now, because I was saying it, we were talking about it subconsciously, it had to come out, but it wasn't well, the R-I-G-H-T word. So well, he's going to be spelling everything out from now on. <laughs> do a burpee then. Like you're talking, hey, I did a hundred burpees yesterday. I'm going to do some more tomorrow. So I am, I am uh, paid up and then some on my filler words but let's go around and and share some wins so lena being our guest of the evening we'll start with you what's what's your biggest win for this week my biggest win for this week besides being on the ideal impact podcast i mean obviously that's (laughs) number one takes the cake (laughs) my biggest win so i announced that i'll be starting a coaching program this week and that was a pretty big step for me just because i had been talking about it for a while and a I while. finally made the move like, forever. Forever, yeah. I've also been just like coaching people, like in conversations. Kyle can attest to this too. So yeah, I figured I'm done hiding. I'm done just being quiet about it. And so I posted about it and that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. awesome. And you received oh, yeah. such like positive, you know, feedback and and everything that went along with it. So many people. And I think you have a ton to bring as a coach. Like you said, you've basically been coaching me since we started our friendship, which was, I don't know, man, how <laughs> it's been a while and it's gone by so fast. But yeah, so thank you for all that you've done you were instrumental in really getting us aligned with where we were going with ideal. Like I remember those initial conversations, you designed our logo. So you are a, yeah, you're a big reason why (laughs) we're here today. Good job on the logo. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. Who's next? Who's got to win? I was waiting for you to say something there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm just taking it all in, man. I got a lot to learn from a lot to learn from Lena. So, um, no, my, my biggest win this week was on the emotional intelligence side of the house. 
Um, both of my boys were sick with strep throat. Um, so some irritable kids and my youngest son who is three and a half years old is a handful at times. And it took a lot for me to not get so upset. And for the first time, probably in quite some time, um, I took a step back, although it was very stressful. Um, I was able to calmly, you know, make corrections and redirect and things like that. And it actually made for a very enjoyable week. You know, it continued into the next day and, and even today. So uh, win for me was my youngest son and I are, are working better with one another because of the improvement in my own emotional intelligence. So that's where I'm at. That's awesome. Beautiful. And seven, seven burpees, by the way, not that I was counting, but Sounds like also how, how's Easton doing? So he obviously, he had that, he split his head open last week. How's he recovering from that? Yeah, so he's doing well. He had three stitches. They're self-dissolving. Uh, a couple of them have come out. And at this point, he's doing well. It's like awesome. he never, it's like it never happened for him. Still going <laughs> 100 miles an hour, even with the strep throat. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and we, well, that was one burpee for me. And we also need to come up with the backstory for the scar. So he has some like really cool story to tell on the playground and, and so he can get all the chicks. Agreed. <laughs> I'm sure he and his brother will come up with something pretty sweet. <laughs> awesome. I mean, the other day, Justice was riding his new dirt bike and he crashed and he automatically said, do I have a scar, dad? <laughs> Nobody, you don't. Not <laughs> Randy, you're up. Yeah, I'm up. Uh, I got through field day today. That's a huge win for me because that's a big stressor for my week and it's over. So thank goodness. It was a long day. <laughs> I that's know it's a long say. day. When you keep it that short, you yeah. know it was a long day. And Randy's running. It's <laughs> just a lot of prep to, to get it ready. And you have 500 kids running through this thing and you have parent volunteers. And it's it's just a whole day of chaos. And I'm just glad it's over with. So was it intentionality that kept you focused or was it, I'm, I mean, yes, you know, the that emotional and, intelligence that disciplined, like I'm very organized. So like I had everything planned to a T it's just, once it starts running, it's, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. It's all depends on how the kids are acting that day and what kind of volunteers I get. And so, yeah, once uh, the parents showed up, I kind of just said, all right, this is in your hands. I'm just going to walk around and make sure that, Nobody kills anybody. And we made it through the day. That's always a win. Yeah. <laughs> always a win. When it's you a huge it win. The day. Yeah. Absolutely. You're up, Kyle. So I, I am up. And for me, I, I had, I don't know why, but typically in the beginning of the week, I, I get this like brain fog or I'm feeling down. And I started thinking, being more intentional with where that's stemming from. I had this realization that I'm at the ha at my personal happiest when I feel my most discipline. And I looked back, you know, I, I did some reflecting, and I feel like I have often felt at my lowest because I was half-assing everything across the board in life. So it was just a major realization for myself that I really need to continue to lean into my discipline, and we often talk about superpowers when we're in the emerge go abundance mastermind group. And I, I feel that's it. That's, that's it for me. 
is being able to get up early, do hard things, continue to push myself and challenge myself and tying that together with the realization that it also makes me extremely happy and fulfilled. It was this realization of, Hey, we need to take the coaching in this direction. This is really, and it's not just me, Randy and Brian also share a high level of discipline and it all starts with discipline to become more intentional. You need to be more disciplined to become more emotionally intelligent you need to be more disciplined. So that is the foundation where this all starts. And I'm really, really excited to take it to new heights with that. And I did a whole coaching framework right before we started recording the podcast and it was just pouring out of me. And it was just a very, very awesome feeling. And again, brought me, brought me that extreme sense of happiness. So that's, that's my big win for this week. That's awesome. I just want to say, as you, as you were talking, like what I kind of imagined in terms of like the, the thing that drives it all forward, it's almost like it's a car, right? So like the way that you get all of the other things is through discipline. Yes. Yes. That's a great analogy to, you know, a way to put it that I hadn't thought of yet, but yeah, that's absolutely correct. It's, it's, I would even taking it down to the even most fundamental level. It's the gas that drives the car. It's the gas that fuels the car. It fuels everything else. And it just, yeah, I don't know. It gets me so excited. And then I realized, well, that's why I love David Goggins book. Can't hurt me. That's why I love Jocko. That's all of the things that I respect most out of all of these people that I read about and that I follow and all the thing, it's their level of discipline. And that is what has gotten them to be as successful as they are is discipline. And I, I love it. And I don't get me started. Cause I'll, I'll sit here and talk all day. And it's, I heard today's a quote. about you, Lena. Have you ever heard this quote? Uh, I think it's discipline equals freedom. I'm not sure where I've heard it from, but you know, <laughs> I've, I've heard, I've, I think I've heard that once or twice. Yeah. And I also believe that within that may potentially be a dichotomy. somewhere. I think there might be a dichotomy for sure. That's possible. People are definitely going to stop watching this podcast <laughs> because of the same jokes that we tell every time. If these guys say dichotomy <laughs> one more time. Yeah, but like it's kind of like an inside joke at this point. You know what I mean? So like they're going to be like, oh, yeah, haha, that's so funny. I feel like I'm part of the group. Absolutely. That's so, why we do I it. Think, I think it only plays in our favor. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So... Awesome wins for everybody this week. Lena, why don't you, for everybody out there who doesn't know you yet, start with your background and maybe work towards what you're currently working on and where you're at in life. And we'll probably grab you from time to time and stop you in order to ask some atten- uh, some additional questions, you know, out of curiosity to pique our interest. So go ahead and get us started. So I'm an entrepreneur, which means that I do a bunch of random stuff that I love. And everything is centered around the things that I love to do, which is work with students, which is develop people, mentor, talk about money, all of those things. So I have owned a math and reading center called Kumon. It's a franchise for eight years now. I worked at one prior to that and couldn't really see my life without it. Like when I would go to work, I would feel really weird if I thought about doing anything else just because I loved it so much. And then I opened my own. Like I said, it's been around for eight years now, which I'm really proud of because we were able to survive COVID. And I've also gotten into coaching. I don't, I don't even know. Like there's so much that it's, it's kind of hard to start and stay. Yeah. Well, with the Kumon business, so 
you said that that's been you've you opened your center eight years ago you said correct yeah so and how old are you currently 34 had to think about it (laughs) (laughs) right i have to i have to do the same thing i'm like i I feel and act subtract the one, carry the two. Like, (laughs) so you were then 26 when you opened the Kumon Center, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's that's incredible. So for me and Randy and Brian, we're in our mid late 30s. I'm in my mid 30s. I'm there in their late 30s. I'm in my mid 30s as well. Yeah. (laughs) So basically, you're saying the only one in the late 30s. Yes, yeah. you're the oldest. You're the yeah. you are the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> and you but you don't look it. You look great, Brian. Yeah, you're the only one with hair. Yeah. That, I do have a full head, baby. <laughs> hey, you know how much money I've saved anyway. on haircuts since I was 23 years old. <laughs> but anyway, so back to back to the question. So we're having this journey into entrepreneurship when we're, you know, much later on in life than you were when you first started. So what kind of piqued your interest? How did you know that that was the path for you? Or did you? I didn't. I was always very eager to please. Like I, I was always really good at working. Like I was a really good employee because I wanted to make my boss proud. And I never really thought to take the steps that I did. So I had a really good boss. When I worked at the Kumon Center, I had a phenomenal boss. He was a mentor, still is a mentor. We still talk all the time. And what he did was he would put me in situations where he'd be like, you got this, like, go talk to these parents. I'd be like, I've never talked to parents in my life. What do you, what do you mean? And he would just be like, go talk to them. You got this, go, go have a conference, go sign up these, these people. And so little by little, I ended up running the whole thing. But it was because he believed in me and he saw things that I didn't see in myself. And so through that, I gained the courage, like even opening a business. I was like, I don't have any experience running a business. Like like you said, I was 26. I was fresh out of college. I've never run a business before. I've never had any kind of experience like that before. And to start something and not really know what you're doing and just be like, okay, I'm going to do this thing and let's see how it goes. I, I don't know. It was, it was very much his push and his belief in me that led me to have the balls to do that. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Having those people in your life is, is key is key. And we, you know, you with your boss and me personally with, with some of my friends, obviously with Randy and Brian to have that support system to push you in that moment when you haven't been intentional with building that circle around you, like we all have today, right? As we've grown up and we've become more intentional, we've surrounded ourselves with people like that with a purpose, but back then it wasn't the case. So what are some of the emotions that went into that? Like when you're doing this all and you're just like, I'm just, I'm just going to figure it out. What are some of the emotions that come with that? So obviously there's a lot of un- uncertainty. There's a lot of, am I going to be successful? There's a lot of, this is a huge risk. And, you know, if I fail, what's going to happen? The other thing that I wanted to touch on too, as, as you were talking, I kind of thought about this. I remember, so I heard about, Kumon, whatever it was. I didn't know what it was. I had never heard of it before. And I went to go meet with two owners. One of them was like, you're going to work for me. You'll, you'll be paid. So at the time, minimum wage was like $7.25 an hour. 
he's like, I'm offering you nine and then you just work, et cetera, et cetera. The boss that I chose to go with offered me minimum wage. Mm -hmm. And there was just something about him that I was like, wow, I want to be like him. And so I think that it's also important to talk about when you see people in your life who you're like, wow, I want to be like him. I can learn a lot from him. That meant a lot more to me. Like I had, I had the wherewithal, is that the word? Yeah. Um, to, for some reason, be more attracted to that job that gave me that growth where I, I could learn things from him, skills from him that I felt like I needed. And that was more important to me than getting paid more money. Mm -hmm. And so for some reason at that point, I was like, no, I know that I'm doing the right thing. And it was funny because when I, when I came home and told my parents, they're like, he's paying you how much? Like you're in college taking a minimum wage job. Like, are you kidding me? And I was like, I know what I'm doing. Like, this is what I want to do. So I really think that there's, there's a lesson here in choosing your mentors, choosing the people who you want to be like and seeing the things that they do and trying to surround yourself with that. Like that is the smallest step you can take at any age, right? Like, wow, I really like that Randy guy. He, he has, you know, he, he knows all of the shit. Like I want to be like Randy and then doing all the things like hanging out with him more, asking him questions, et cetera. So what about your boss or at the time, the, the guy that you chose to go work for, what was it that made you choose him? I like the way that he talked about the job. I like what he saw in me. I like how he talked to me. I like how it wasn't just, you're just another employee. I like that he talked about kind of where he sees me going. And that meant a lot more to me because he saw the potential that I didn't necessarily see at that time. And I think that was the thing that really drove me forward. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did not know him whatsoever before taking that job? No, I, I had met him one time. He made me take, take a test just to see kind of how my math was. And just like through talking to him, and I really don't remember much about that time, if I'm going to be totally, totally honest, this was 2009. <laughs> so it's been a while, but like something about just the way he carried himself was so different from anybody that I had met before. And I remember too, like there, there were so many times where he would bring in some sort of, I think the guy was like installing cameras or something. And rather than paying him, he's like, okay, well, what if I refer five people to you? Will you put all of these in here for free? And I was like, oh shit, like you can do that. Like you, you can just go <laughs> ask somebody to like put things in for free. And he did. So like, it, it was just so magical to me that he's so able to be around people and like really, really get what he wants, I guess, for lack of a better term, but do it on his own terms and also be useful to those people because it's a win-win. Yeah. That everything that you just laid out there talking about, he was somebody that you wanted to emulate, right? You want, you aspired to be him. I just said, right, by the way. You didn't catch true. Yeah. <laughs> I, caught, I caught myself, but that's, that's better. That's self-discipline. Well, discipline's taking it to the Correct. next level. I'm, I'm at least <laughs> catching it. But 
what that reminded me of, I don't know if any of you have heard it yet, but Ed Milet did uh, an episode of his podcast recently that was based on, I can't remember the title of it, but it was Invisible, Motivational, Inspirational, and Aspirational. And those are the four levels and aspirational being at the top. So being aspirational means that you are somebody that other people want to be more like. You, they aspire to be like you. And that is the pinnacle. If other people want to be like you, that you're, you're, you're obviously doing something right. You have been successful in some way. So that's an incredible way to look at it. And that's an incredible compliment to that boss that you had as well. So one question that I had for you, can you kind of give us some background? Like what is Kuman and, and what is it that you do there? Okay. It's a complicated question. <laughs> it's a <laughs> math and reading center. We do mostly enrichment. It's paper-based, which is very different than I think what I see at most schools nowadays. It's mastery-based learning, which means that when a student starts, they start at whatever, they, whatever skill they need to work on, regardless of their age. So we have some ninth graders starting with addition. And the goal is to get them above their grade level. The only way that they move forward is when they've mastered every concept that they need to up until that point in order to pass a test. So you will keep doing the same skill until you've got it down. The other thing is in the classroom, we've got like every student is there based on time. So like you have fourth graders in there at the same time as eighth graders and first graders and four-year-olds. And so that aspect of it too is pretty cool just because it works really well. And the other thing too is, what else did I want to say? Oh, um, it's self-learning. So our, our goal is to get them to eventually be really independent and learn from examples. And then they kind of do their own work. So as they get older and as they get into higher math and higher reading, they're very, very independent and they're responsible for their own learning. So they'll still follow the same curriculum, but they'll be able to choose the pace. Yeah, that's awesome. And it definitely sounds a lot different than the education system, which of course we all know at this point that that Randy is a part of. And and we've all had these conversations, you know, with Randy and, and you. So I'm I'm sure there's plenty going on here that we we are going to get into. And I'm excited about that. So Randy, Word. did you have a question? There, I do. Randy? I do. So what is like a typical day look like for a student? So every student, so some do just math, some do just reading, some do both. So they would walk into the center. They're only there twice a week. They have five days of homework the rest of the week. And so if it's a class day, they would walk in on their time. They would do their classwork. It would get graded. They would have to fix it. And they would go home. So they're usually only there for half an hour per subject. Okay. So they, are they coming after school then? Yes. Okay. And then there's other, is there tutors in the room with them if they? So I'm technically the only instructor, meaning that I'm the only one like helping students through their work because there's such an emphasis on self-learning and not just tutoring them, if that makes sense. Like yeah. the, the whole goal is to give the learning to them. It's to empower them that like, you don't need me. You really don't. And so if there's an example at, at the top of the paper, I may ask, you know, how did they get from step one to step two? What do you think is next? What do you think is the next step? Can you try one? Can you do the first step of one? 
And so through all of those questions, they're able to solve the people who I hired, who help them, what, what they do is just great work. Okay. So how, how do you, and Randy, this, I guess there's a question for, for you and Lena and Brian, obviously you having kids as well. How do you think that this, and I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lena, but this sounds more like a learning style, like teaching kids how to learn rather than teaching kids a subject or a, you know, specific skill or whatever it may be. Well, it is a skill, right? You're teaching them how to learn, but how do you think this compares to traditional schooling? Because to me, in my mind, when you're explaining that, it sounds extra way more effective if they're only doing a half an hour in each and they're seeing this progress something seems off here you know what i mean from a traditional education standpoint is what i meant by that i mean like traditional education i feel like you're teaching to like just like a core group of students and then you're just trying to hit the middle and then you're not really if you have the advanced kids they're kind of getting ahead on their own. And then those that fall behind, I mean, they fall behind, you try to work with them, but I mean, they might fall behind. So you're, you're teaching to a certain group of kids and it's, you're not going to hit them all. So what do you think sets apart the advanced students from the not advanced students? The interviewee becomes the interviewer. <laughs> I like it. And there's a lot of things. I think it's uh home life. Um, I think. No, no, I mean, oh, I, it's, I mean, like technically, like if we're looking at, I'm teaching this one person versus this other person, what technically sets them apart? What is the difference? I have no Give idea. A break. How he throws <laughs> so, it <laughs> what sets them apart is how many times you need to repeat it for them to learn it. How many times do they need to practice that skill to get it down? And so what that, what that comes down yeah. to, and I, I feel like it's the same with sports too, right? Like even if you like jujitsu, how many times do I need to practice shrimping before I actually understand how to shrimp versus other people who are more self-aware of their bodies and can get it in one time? I will say that it took me a lot longer to do any <laughs> of those things than it takes Randy doing it. He's, he's much and, he, and he obviously wrestled, you know, for a long time. So he has that, but just as a grappling athlete, Randy is more naturally gifted than I am. And that makes sense. And that just doesn't apply to kids. It applies to adults. It applies to anybody of any age in any situation. Everybody learns at different rates and different styles. Absolutely. And I, I don't even think the style piece is that important. I think it is just rate. And so for me, the, the most, most fascinating piece of it is pacing. So the problem with teaching to the middle, right, to the average student is that pacing is boring for the really advanced kids and a little too far ahead for the ones who are, who need a little bit more practice. And so with that, like, I don't know if you guys ever took a class over the summer in college, mm -hmm. but it was like uh, so I much. I avoided that at all costs. Why? I did it. <laughs> I hated being in school. So I loved summer classes and I loved it because the pacing was like exactly what I needed because I was so bored during the semester. I was like, okay, what's, what's the next thing? Like, I already understand this. Why are we still talking about this? And it would frustrate me and it would cause me to lose any kind of interest in whatever that I'm hearing or doing, because I'm like, all right, like I got that down. So over the summer, I, I noticed that I did much better than I did during, during the school year, only because the pacing was in line with what I wanted and what I needed to learn. And so through that pacing piece, like 
all students can, can learn the same way. It's just how quickly does it take, right? Do they get it after one try or after 10 tries? And so that way, like we keep the content the same. Every student learns the same stuff, even if they walk in and like their parents tell me that they have an IEP or they have ADHD or whatever it may be. I don't change the curriculum at all. I do not change anything about it outside of how many times they're going to repeat that topic. And do you notice the success rate being the same in those kids that you have the opportunity to teach once versus the opportunity to have to teach 10 times? Are you still seeing the success rate be the same? What do you mean by success rate? Like they, they get the topic, they master it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So one thing that I, I thought of while you were saying that, so for yourself, you, you talked a lot about pace. Did subject play a role in how fast you were able to pick things up? Like for me personally, it wasn't so much about the pace. It was more about the subject. If it was something, if it was a subject that I was very interested in, I dove into it. I put more effort in. I picked it up quicker because I was more focused on it. But if, for me, if it was a subject that I wasn't interested in, I struggled, I didn't pay it. And I, I struggled because I didn't care. I didn't pay attention. I didn't put that effort in. So, you know, for yourself personally, and maybe some of your students, does it vary subject to subject? So I kind of feel like you said you weren't very interested in it, but I feel like being really interested in something isn't necessarily just because you find the topic fascinating. It could be because your teacher's really good and it makes they, they make it really interesting. So I think there's so much variability with what piques their interest and that it's, it's, it's hard to say. I, I don't, so I also find that students enjoy what they're good at. So True. when they end up learning to love math, like when they get really good at math, all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, I love math. And what's funny is I will take note on their first day. I'm like, how do you feel about math? And they're like, honestly, it's the worst thing in the world. And I was like, okay, May 26, 2023, hates math. I asked them again in a couple months. I was like, hey, just random question. How do you feel about math? It's okay. Okay. Uh, March 27th, 2024, math is okay. And then in a year or so later, I'll ask again, and it'll be love math, best thing ever. I'll be like, mm, May 26th, you hated it. So over time, because they become really good at it, like I haven't had a student be like, yeah, I absolutely hate math, even when they get really good at it. Well, I'm going to put you to the test. You have to tutor me in math. You got it. When do I start? <laughs> While right, you're at right it, now, let's do it live. <laughs> let's do it live on the, on the uh, podcast. But that makes sense. And two things. So I'm smiling. For anybody who can't see, I'm, I'm geeking over what Lena just said. Because one, it reminds me of my journey recently through running, where two months ago, I hated it. And I hated it for 35 years before that. Well, let's say 30 three years or whenever I started running as a child, but I've pushed myself through that. And I, as I've gotten better at it, as I've been able to run farther, run faster, I enjoy it much more because I don't feel like I suck at it. The other thing is I'm smiling because to me, this sounds much more like coaching than it does traditional teaching. And that's why I was telling you for months, I'm like, you coach every single day. And we talked about that and you don't, you don't even call it teaching, yeah, you know, yeah, you look yeah. at it as coaching. So 
what you know what do you think about that do you agree that this is much more of a coaching relationship that you have with your you, do you call them students is that, is that i do call them students yeah yeah okay so so much more of a coaching relationship <laughs> with your students than, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice um and then like a teacher student relationship is that fair yeah, I, I originally used to say that I'm an instructor and now I tell them I'm not an instructor, I'm, I'm your coach. I'm here to cheer you on. And when you think about it too, like what does a coach do? They're there for the practices. And then when it's game time, it's game time, right? You're not telling them how to play. You equip them with the skills that they need and then you don't really help them after that, right? Like they, they're prepared. And I, I feel the same way, right? Like I'm here to equip you with those skills and then fly little birdie, like you don't need me. Um, when you have students that don't like math at the, at the beginning, how do you keep them motivated to keep trying to get better at math? There, there is no one size fits all thing that I can say here that's like, you do this and it's perfect and every student's gonna be motivated. You just kind of have to play the student and figure out what things they can relate to. It also depends on how old they are. So, so it sounds like you're saying you have to build a relationship with these 100%, students. hundred percent. I have to build a relationship with those students. Yes, that okay. is exactly the answer. And that is exactly why it's hard to replace me. It's a thing that frustrates me, right? Like if I ever yeah. want to grow out of this or scale in any way, it's hard to do. Would you subscribe to the 80, like that 80% rule in that aspect? Or do you, are you so passionate about this, that 80% and for anybody out there who doesn't know what I mean by that is there's a saying, I don't know if it's business or entrepreneurship or however you want to put it, that if somebody can do the job 80% as well as you, that you shouldn't be doing that job. So to me, it sounds like almost there's so much passion there that 80% might not be good enough for you. How do you feel about that? It's, I think it's possible. You just have to find the right person. So I was that person for my former boss. Mm-hmm. I was a hundred percent that person. I was able to talk to parents the same way that he did. There was no problem there where he felt that that passion didn't go through. And if I can find somebody a hundred percent, I would totally be good with 80% or whatever, but finding somebody is the tough part. Do you think that in traditional education today, that that is a part of our problem where class sizes are so big that we can't really develop these relationships with students. And it's kind of a question for Randy too. I mean, he can probably attest to that just as well. So I want Randy to go first on this one, Lena, because okay, I already know ahead. your thoughts on it. Well, because you've already asked me this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's a great question, Brian. Yes. Uh, for, for me, like I have every kid in the building, so I only see him once a week. The odds of me building like a strong relationship, it's not going to happen. Like I, I got into education thinking that I was going to be able to have this impact. And when I only see him for 45 minutes, once a week, like the impact that I can make is not as significant as I want it to be a classroom teacher in elementary school. I think they can have an impact and they can develop a relationship because they have like 25 kids. They get to know them a little bit better. They see them on a daily basis. Not the same as one-on-one, but they're going to know them better than, than I am. I feel like I build relationships with the kids who are usually struggling in the classroom, but they excel in my environment. So I kind of have a relationship with those students, but it's, it's not that many. 
And how, how many kids do you see total? So how many kids are there in the school? Uh, I think we're like at around, we're in the upper 400s. I don't know exactly, probably around 470, 475. And I see them all every week. So I'm seeing 475 kids a week. Yeah, got it. Okay. So Lena, how do you your, remember your all their names? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I'm pretty good with names. <laughs> it's like, uh, like first through fifth, I've had them all. So like once I get them down, it's like kindergarten I struggle with. I don't get kindergarten down until probably January now. Unless you're like one of those students that I'm constantly saying your name. Hey, buddy. In a good or bad way. <laughs> buddy. <laughs> that's That sounded like me when I when I was working my corporate job and before we all got sent home for the pandemic. Um, we I would see people that, hey, Kyle, how's it going? I'm like, hey, man. Hey, you. <laughs> good, to, good to see you. Yeah. I felt so bad. And, and that actually made me focus on that more and, and try to be more intentional about learning people's names because I always felt terrible. But it's gotten to the point now where I don't care anymore. And I'm just, hey, I, I'm so sorry. I forget what your name is. Like, can you fill me in? And typically that second time I'll remember it. But Lena, yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Because again, we've talked about this, so I know, but I, I think this is really important. So I have 60 students in the center, usually at a time. So I don't think class size matters. I the benefit that I have is I'm in their lives usually longer than a teacher is. So most students stick around for at least two years. Some have been with me since from when I worked at the other center. So like they've been with me for 10 years, 12 years. Some of them used to be students and then started to work for me. So I'm in these kids' lives for a very, very long time. I still text with many of them who I used to teach many years ago. Like they've gone through college, they've graduated college. We still talk. And it's also not just up to me to make those relationships because any staff that they work with, I tell them too, that the most important thing you can do is get to know these kids. I want you to at least know one thing about 20, 20 of these kids, like one fun fact and ask them about it. Like that's, that's the other side too. The only way that you're going to learn about them is by asking them. And things like Lily really likes horses. And this person is like really loves basketball and this is his favorite team and so like being able to touch base on multiple things outside of just math and reading I think is so so important but also hearing their dreams and talking to them about their dreams and money and why that matters and how credit works so you know I really try to take a whole person approach and not just we're gonna do math today you mean all those things that typically they're not learning in traditional education Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it sounds to me like you're being very intentional with building deep connections with these students, which is what we talk about with loyalty to build true loyalty and not, not blind loyalty, not I'm loyal to you because you're my tutor or you're my coach or you're my boss or anything like that. Truly building that connection and that loyalty. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with these students continuing to come back year after year. Absolutely. At the same time, too, I'm teaching them the di discipline of doing work every day, right? Like there's still homework every day. And that takes a while for them to get used to because schools nowadays, I don't know how it is near you guys, but homework is optional for us. Completely no optional. Yeah, there's no homework. So they don't build the skills to like 
get home, like go home and do your homework and it's due every day. And you, you have this, this assignment that needs to get done. Like that's one thing that I see all the time is they can turn things in up until the end of the quarter. If that's the case, I have no deadlines. I have no discipline. And when I'm actually forced to do something, I'm now a deer in the headlights because I'm not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. We, so we talked about that in episode number five standards and expectations and you know, I, I have mixed feelings on homework. I think there is a lot of benefits to it. It teaches you discipline, all that stuff. When I was in school, I was always thinking, man, I'm here all day and now I got to go home and do this shit. Because back then, no one, that was the thing. Maybe if someone had sat me down and had an actual like intentional conversation to tell me there's more to it. It's not just you're going home to do math. These are the life skills that we are teaching you by doing this or whatever it is, like at least in basic training, we knew there was a purpose behind everything they did. And that was at a fairly young age. I was a little bit older, but for most people, 18 years old, some even younger, there was a purpose. We, we might not have known it in that instant, but my drill sergeants did a pretty good job of explaining, Hey, this is why we're doing this right now. I felt like that didn't happen for me personally back when I was in school. It, it was do it because I tell you it was. And, and that went across the board. You know, that was part of that generation before us, I think, to do as you're told, not as not as do as I say, not say. as I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was that's a huge reason why you're seeing so much success is because you're digging deeper. This isn't transactional. This isn't teaching to a test. This is teaching kids real life skills through what you're doing. And I just want to say, too, that it doesn't always work, right? Like there are plenty of students yeah. who I've worked with where it all falls apart because they don't want to put the work in or because they don't have the discipline at home. Yeah. So it's it's not perfect, but it definitely is at least more effective than what I've seen in schools. And I'm yeah, curious and- too, like you you brought up that if you knew the the why, you would have been more more likely to do it. But do you think that would have been enough? I don't know if it would have been enough back then because I was an asshole. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like I yes. I I was, I'm sometimes I still am, I'm kidding. but I've gotten Agreed. a lot better, <laughs> but it was, it would have helped. It would have helped for sure. I, I, I can't say it would have been perfect because for a long time in my life, and this was up until recently, I had a cockiness about me where I, I didn't want to listen to people because I thought I had it all figured out and it was, was so weird because I would do that, but inside I would have this sense of emptiness and misalignment in my life. It was just this vicious cycle. Like I was, I was my own worst enemy, right? Like we've all heard that it's kind of a cliche, but in some cases it's, it's true. I was in my own way, shout out to Aaron Velke and your <laughs> coaching that, that I'm experiencing right now. But I, I truly was, I was, I was in my own way. And I still, we all do that from time to time. We all get in our own way and we have to, that's why it is so important to have the right people around you to help you see those things, recognize those things and get out of your own way. How have you 
used some of the ideal skills and you touched on them a little bit, but I remember one day you'd message me and you're like, I hope you don't mind, but I plan on talking about this with my students. And I, not only did I not mind, I was absolutely stoked for some of the ways that you've taken what we do and what you and I talk about and what Randy and I and Brian and I talk about and woven them into some things that you've done. So I tell, I've told quite a few students that, you know, we talk a lot about what makes people like, how do I want to phrase this? We talk a lot about the necessity for going to college and the necessity for getting good grades. And we kind of set that standard, but we don't really ever talk about skills that successful people all have in common. And that's kind of how I break it down. These are the five skills that successful people have mastered. Aside from learning how to do math and reading and whatever, these are the five skills that make you a good human and give you a really, really big chance at living a life that you enjoy. And I think too, in this age of TikTok and this age of so social media being at the forefront of everything that students do and we do too, I think that it's very easy to become so kind of absorbed in it and, and think that material things are the things that make you happy and think that if I just work a very, very good job, like I, I talked to a student last night and he's like, honestly, I don't care about what I do. He's a eighth grader. He said, I don't care about what I do. I just want to make money and whatever job I have, as long as it makes money, I'm going to be happy. And I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you, I bought my first Benz. I thought I would be so happy. I drove it for, I was happy, right. For like a good two weeks. And then it was just another car. So you think all of these material things are going to make you so happy and so fulfilled and wow, I have all the things that I want. I have a big house, a big car, a nice car. I do these things. I can go buy Gucci if I want to, but inside you don't feel any different. And in fact, you almost feel more empty than you, you did before. And so aside from having this good job just to afford nice things, what about things that actually make you happy and feel fulfilled? And that's where these five skills really come into play because you need to really understand the intentionality piece of, I do these things, not just because I ended up in college and I now have a job and now this is the job that I do, but I do the things that I do because I'm passionate about them or because they make me feel fulfilled in some way, or because they bring me lots of energy. Like, that's how I judge whether or not I'm doing things that I like doing. If I feel energized and not drained, I'm doing the right thing. So that's yeah. kind of how I package it into, this is why you should care about this. And how are I they responding to it? it? A lot of them just seem very interested just because they've never heard it before. Nobody's ever talked to them about being emotionally intelligent or why it matters like why doing certain things matter, right? Like why does it matter that you get up and go to the gym every morning, even if you don't feel like doing it? Why does that matter? What, what skill does that build within you? And the biggest piece too, what's funny is I do this in front of their parents and then their parents are like, oh, this, this is so good. So <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so like their parents need to attend the Ideal Impact Youth Camp in <laughs> August. Absolutely. So the point is, is that this is something that I think many humans struggle with at any age. And so, you know, you tell this to kids and then they bring it home to their parents. And now they're talking about it with, with, with their parents and their parents now have all of this 
newfound awareness that they didn't have before because they'd never even thought twice about it. I mean, I can guarantee that most kids don't hear this stuff. Most adults don't know this stuff. Totally agree. I didn't know and this stuff sad. until like a year and a half ago. It's so sad though, right? right. Like, is it, it is. Like, this is stuff you should be, we should be learning. Kids should be taught this in schools. Yeah. And I think it's, we all have these things on some level. We obviously have purpose behind certain things we do. We obviously have discipline in certain areas. In some areas, we're more emotionally intelligent than others. Like, we all have this. And I think it's just a matter of making, like, or helping people realize that and then continuing to build upon the foundation that they already have. And I think it's going to be so cool to do this camp and really get into how do we continue to build on this within kids and because that foundation like randy like you just said randy we didn't really figure this all out until recently we're still learning where it's a consistent it's a constant journey it's a constant journey of growth so we're all learning but if i had this aha moment 20 years ago and that would put me at 16 my life would be much different right now and again i don't live with regret at this point i've gotten past everything i've let go and i'm very happy with where i'm at now but another thing that you said that i thought was super insightful is and we talk about this in coaching is what how do you feel what brings you energy and notice what i said in the beginning about discipline none of that my most happiest has nothing to do with money and it has everything to do with the amount of effort that I put into things. I drive a 2000 Toyota Camry. It has a Honda badge. It oh, has yeah. rust on the quarter panel. Now I have <laughs> other vehicles, but it used to be where I wouldn't have done that. Go back a few years ago. There is no way I would have driven that car because I would have been embarrassed. I would have been ashamed. Now, when you let go and you realize what truly makes you happy, that stuff doesn't matter. It's going to be cool when we've reached another level of success and I can buy a bigger house and live in my forever home. But I'm doing that all now with a much different intent and I will be happy even if I don't achieve that specific goal, I'll be happy knowing that I gave 100% effort to try to get there. And that's where I think you reach a much different level of happiness. You can be happy in failure as long as you know that you put in that 100% effort. If you can sit there and say, I left everything out there, everything on the table, emptied the tank, however you want to put it, you should still be happy. Now, you should then work even harder, probably, if, if that's a goal that you do want to achieve. Like if I lose a jujitsu match and I really want to win the next one, well, I have to figure something out and I have to work a little bit harder or refine something. It doesn't mean you stop. It just means that you can still be satisfied in failure because you left it all out there. I'm going to tweak that. Yeah. It's not happiness sure. that you feel when you fail, but you feel a level of contentness. Like you feel yes. at peace with the fact that you tried as hard as you did and you know what, that's okay. Versus regret or all those other feelings. And so it's really just feeling at peace with the choices that you make. And the thing with money too, like, yeah, having more money doesn't make you more happy. It doesn't make you feel anything. Money is just 
gas. Like it's just a way to fuel the things that you like to do, right? If you like to travel, if the travel is the thing that makes you happy, it's not the money that makes you happy. It's just a way to, it's a vehicle to get more of the things, more of the experiences that you like. Yeah, exactly. It itself doesn't do anything. Right. Because then if you go and you travel, but you half-ass your travel, you're not present, you're on your phone, you're not paying attention, you're not taking those things in, you're still not going to be happy. You spent the money, but you half-assed your travel, you half-assed the adventure, you half-assed the experience. So you have to be putting in the effort into that. And 100%, I agree with you, the tweak, that was perfect. You can be content and you can rest at night. That was what kept me up for so many nights of my life was knowing that watching myself half-ass my entire life, I'm talking about relationships, career, everything, my my sports career, talk about half-ass, like that was less than half-ass. And it's just, yeah, how can you ever be satisfied? How can you ever be fulfilled if you don't, if you're not doing everything that you possibly can be doing? I don't know about you, but with, with me, all the things that I have asked, of which for me, a lot of times was my education. Like I felt like I was capable of getting much better grades and doing so much better in school. And I never did. And what that led to was just this never ending loop of trying to go back and fix it by more and more school. I just, I kept going back to school. I kept going back to school. I kept wanting like another shot, another shot, another shot. I wanted to prove it wrong. And Randy should be a doctor by now, Randy. But, <laughs> I mean, that's not why I went back to school. I just went back to school because I wanted to get paid more. <laughs> yeah. Which makes way more sense than what I did. <laughs> but I mean, going into that, did did going back to school and getting paid more? And I, I, I'm not saying that. OK, so if you're getting paid more because you need to cover life expenses, right? If I'm making $15 an hour and I have three kids and a wife and all this stuff and I, I can't afford to do like the, the necessities of life. Did it lead to any happiness for you is what I'm trying to ask. No, but it made my life easier. I mean, my sure. goal was to was to cap out on the pay scale as quickly as possible. And I did that before I'm 40. So I did it as, as, as fast as I could. Does that make me happier? No, but I mean, I got, I feel like I did take some classes that I was interested in. Like my master's is in athletic administration and that's what I, I thought I was going to be going into. So I learned a lot and the army paid for it, which was nice. Yeah, I get it. And luckily they paid for your master's since they didn't pay for any of our student loans. Yeah, they got us on that one. <laughs> they really got they us there. The big green weenie strikes again. All three of us have been struck by the, the green weenie. And I'm sure, I'm sure. So Lena, Lena's boyfriend, Bobby was also in the army and I'm sure he has plenty of green weenie stories. Has he, have you ever heard that term before? Lena? Never. No. Ask him no. about it. Ask Bobby about the green weenie. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he has green weenie stories, but um, so anyway, so we've done a lot. Uh, we got into your background and then we totally sidetracked you down to, Kumon and education and all of that stuff. You also had mentioned the coaching and obviously you have a awesome podcast, Raising Humans, which we've talked pre on previous episodes about without you here. But let's talk about Raising Humans and you know what your intent is behind that and the concept. And I love the fact you we you do by yourself keeping it at, you know, 10, 15 minutes. 
I could never do that by myself because I could probably just talk for like two hours straight and make no sense whatsoever. But you do such a great job of keeping it short and concise and impactful. So what made you get started on the podcast and, and kind of what are you doing with it and where are you going? So I guess I want to start with why I want to keep it less than 15 minutes. I kind of imagine parents being busy. So having it short, it's meant to be for parents, but I also find that most of the things I talk about are applicable to literally anything, meaning that like employees or adults, siblings, whatever. So I Wife, guess I husbands, kind of, yeah, I use it, I use it all the time in my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what I, what I found most is that a lot of parents do things and they're not very intentional. So if we go back to really being intentional, like one of those skills, they're not intentional with how they raise children. They don't think about it. It's just kind of like, they're very reactive and that's okay. And everybody's trying the best that they can. And I'm not trying to rag on parents. It's a very, very hard job, probably the hardest job out there. But my point is there's so many things that happen that if you tweak just a tiny bit, like if you put in just a little bit of effort thinking about, am I doing, is what I'm doing aligned with what my values are, then it changes the dynamic, it changes so many things for both the, the parent and the child. And one prime example is I had, uh, I have a 14 year old, not my child, 14 year old student and his little sister just started and she throws tantrums all the time. She doesn't want to do it. They have a hard time getting her to do any of her work. And he came to me and he's like, what do I do, Miss Lena? Like, I can't get her to do any of her work. She, she throws a tantrum. I hate this. It takes forever. It takes us an hour just to get her to sit down and do it. And he shared with me too, that she acts bad because people give her attention. And I was like, okay, ignore her. So if you can tell me that that's the problem, ignore her. And he's like, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if it'll work. So a big part is that you can pinpoint the problem, but then sticking to it is so hard because kids are so cute and you don't want to see them in pain. You don't want to see them hurting, but that's the thing that changes. If you're telling her that when I act bad, I get attention. Well, I'm going to keep acting bad. And if you tell her that when I act bad, I get no attention. Well, then eventually I'm going to stop acting bad. So one other thing that I like to talk about a lot is that it's the job of children and people in general, like all people around you, it's their job to test boundaries. That's what they do. So yes, they're going to try to act bad. They're, they're going to try to do whatever, because what they want to see is how are you going to react? And am I going to get attention from this thing that I'm doing? So I guess the whole point of the podcast is just to kind of highlight certain things that I've seen and get parents and people to be a little bit more intentional about how they go about raising children. It also sounds like if you were to increase your level of discipline as a parent, you may be more effective. Absolutely. Without question. <laughs> I just like the and, and emotional intelligence. That. All of Ooh, them. Yeah. And maybe a little maybe a little ownership, eh? Sometimes it's easier to take the easy way and that's what that's what parents do. You have a kid throwing a tantrum, is it easier? to just give them what they want or is it easier to sit there and enforce the expectation well it's easier to give them what they want you don't want to listen to them anymore so you give in and you give them what they want and that just I, keeps building 
I have a question for you guys. Not really a question. I have a scenario. Gotcha. Love scenarios. So my question Ooh. is, Are we, let's role what, play. <laughs> you be the child. <laughs> hey, there are people out there that believe that, that identify as children now. So uh, awesome. Don't get started on that. Awesome. Yeah. A rabbit yeah. hole, rabbit hole. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. there's I a, I guess my question is what is being taught to the child? Like, what are we, what are we teaching? So there's a parent, her child didn't do her homework over the weekend what I usually do if it's not done is it, it all gets moved down. So you never do double. And so she calls me and she's like, I need double the homework. And I tell her, no, I'm not doing that. Why do you think I do that? I would take a stab at this and say that you're not trying to overwhelm the student and start giving them a sense of failure that they've not accomplished their goal instead of putting them down by punishing them with extra work you just said the key word punishing them with extra work right. what association are we creating it's a, it's a negative association with it yeah yeah homework equals punishment and so so many parents do this and like they're just like oh you didn't do it do double Okay, well, now homework's punishment, and now I hate doing homework. Believe me, you do not want a child who hates doing homework. That was me. And that's why I hated running. So I've said this before. That's why I've hated running for so long. Every single sport I have played, running is a punishment. So I was conditioned to hate it. It mean it makes sense. Yeah, that that was a great scenario and a great example that you. Maybe if you had there. a different mindset, Kyle, you would have used that <laughs> running differently. Well, I. It was As an opportunity to get better it, at what you're doing, get in better shape. It's just like yelling at a dog, or you know, if they associate yelling, you could be yelling really positive things, but if they associate yelling loud noises with a negative connotation that they're in trouble, it's it's the same thing and not to compare children to dogs out there but it's it's but <laughs> it's the it same down, thing I mean, it's a hundred percent the same skill yeah <laughs> so yeah that that's awesome and for anybody out there raising humans is the name of lena's podcast i highly highly recommend it we've talked about it in the past but the intentional praise one was specific was a specific praise yep. you had it word specific praise that is something that i caught myself not doing all the time. So my praise in even, so I'll use my marriage as an example was very generic. So Callie and I would go out on a run. She would push herself really hard. Hey, great job. High five. Well, how much more impactful is that by saying, Hey, you push yourself so hard today. I'm so impressed with your level of discipline. The fact that you're trying to do better for yourself. It's so impressive. And that's one of the many things that I love about you really awesome job where I mean it's the difference is night and day it's night and day and you can apply it to anything you can apply it to my parents I I so I have applied this to my parents it, when I we were in Austin at the emerge event and we were challenged to text somebody that we hadn't talked to in a while now I talk to my parents all the time but when I talk to my parents I'm not intentional I say I love you but it's very transactional why do I love them? If you can tell somebody why you love them, 
that takes things to a whole nother level. And that continues to build that deeper connection, build a better relationship. So just by doing that one thing, it can have a tremendous impact on your life. And that was 13 minutes of my life to listen to the Raising Human podcast that has had a profound impact on my relationships. So it's fantastic. Well, thank you. My uh, most recent episode is on your future self and how to talk about future self to kids. Love it. We'll have to give that one a listen. So awesome. Thanks for sharing more about the podcast next. So, you know, you just had this realization. Well, I don't want to say the realization because you have known for a long time that coaching was part of who you are. It's part of your identity. But you finally made that leap to actually put it out there to the world. You posted about it. You put it on social media, LinkedIn. I saw it on Facebook, on Instagram. So first of all, what, why, why did you finally decide to put it down there or put it out there? Change happens when either you can't, you can no longer stay the way you are. Like it's painful to stay the way you are, or you have no choice. And for me, it was painful to not do this thing. I think I, I began to realize that I do it all the time and it's a disservice to the world and to myself to not do it. So what do you think is the, your biggest, the biggest thing that you bring to a coaching relationship? You know, this, I am very direct. I don't sugarcoat things. I cannot be fake. I cannot like lie to you. I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. And if I don't like something, you're going to know it. <laughs> I just, I can't help it. And so it's written all over my face either way many times. And I, I, I think that people need that honesty. I think in today's society, there's this expectation that everybody's nice and vanilla and so they don't get canceled. And so we've been censored so much and we're so scared to say how we feel about things. I'm tired of that. I don't want to do that. And I don't think that that's fair. And I don't think that that contributes to growth. So I really want people to have a very real understanding of what's happening or what they're doing, because so many times the people around us aren't real with us. Absolutely. Brian and Randy, when we started the podcast and we started doing this, did you guys feel that way? Did you, were you, did, and be honest, if you did or didn't, did you have concerns about being real and being authentic and I'll speak for myself before you guys into that. I did a little bit, right? We're trying to do personal development coaching. And I was where I'm like, oh my, are we going to turn someone off by the things that we're saying? Is somebody going to get offended by some of the topics that we're covering? You know what? Yeah, they are. No matter what, whether we beat around the bush or we bring it to you straight, there are, we're not going to make everybody happy. And you and I, Lena, have talked about this recently and I'm... I'm done with that. I don't care. I, the, we will connect with the people that we, we connect with by being our true authentic selves, by talking about the things that we want to talk about. And that was the whole reason that we started this podcast is we wanted to have a voice for ourselves and have a platform to express that and have a platform for other people to come on and express those same things too. And if their values don't align with ours, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to change anybody's opinion, to change anybody's mind, but 
if I want to truly connect with the people that I'm going to coach, guess what? I have to be myself. So I'm, I'm past that at this point, but Randy, Brian, how did you feel about that? Especially when we were first getting started. Go ahead, Brian. There was a big fear, you know, I, I have this reputation amongst my close circle, but then to be in front of potentially hundreds or thousands of people. Yeah. You, you don't want to be the guy that's offending people, but at the end of the day, I've learned that you're not going to get the agenda that you're trying to get across across if you're worried about that. Yes. The yeah, answer that's is, a great point. I man. was, I was worried, but you said it yourself, you know, we're going to have a target group or an audience that's going to appeal to us. And that's who we're here for. We're not here for the guy that's like, Oh, I, I, that's stupid. I don't want to hear this. Well, he's not going to listen. So they will weed themselves out. And at the end of the day, as long as we're passionate about what we're passionate about and we're preaching that to folks that want to listen, they'll listen. And there is no need to worry anymore. I love that. Yeah. That, that was great points, Brian. Randy, how about you? I was not worried. Uh, I'm pretty, di- <laughs> I'm pretty direct uh, as it is. And I often say what I'm thinking and I'm big on just being honest. And sometimes I'm a little too blunt and uh, that gets me in trouble in certain aspects of my life usually at work. Uh, but yeah, so I was not worried about uh, that aspect of this. It got it got him in trouble in the army a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I speak my mind. Do you remember that E5 armor that we had when we first got to, yeah. to the unit? Yeah. He'd always no. make us do push-ups. Yeah, well, he would try to make us do push-ups and then yeah. we, we didn't we we didn't listen very well when we were well, yeah, we <laughs> we didn't listen very well at all. No. But yeah. So, and that's, and, and I think more people in my opinion in society need to adopt the Lena and Randy mindset where we are just ourselves. I had a conversation with somebody about this today. It's like, be yourself. And yes, you're going to lose. If you are your authentic self, most likely some of the relationships that you have in your life are probably going to go away. And that's okay because those relationships will be replaced with more genuine, deep, authentic relationships. If you just stop trying to please everybody, stop worrying about offending everybody. And I'm not saying that you should go and say crazy things or stuff like that, just intentionally to piss people off, but just be yourself, be yourself. It's, it's really, it's, again, it comes down to the whole thing that we talk about all the time. We, we borrowed it from Jocko, but it's, simple, not easy. It is very simple for me to sit here and say, be your authentic self, but it's taken me 36 years to really, truly do that. And and my, my best friend from college, Andy, he has always embraced that. And it's something that I, I always, it was very aspiring from him that he just, he is himself. He doesn't give a shit about what anybody thinks. And it's, and he's always, he's happy. He's happy that, that because of that, it's it's incredible be like andy i i think too not all the way like andy (laughs) yeah but when you when you see that (laughs) when you when you see that what's funny is we we associate that with being brave and it takes a brave person to be yourself and so it's so interesting that it's bravery to just show who you really are because we're so conditioned to not 
Yeah, it's this cancel culture. It's like if I'm am, am, am I if I truly be myself, am I going to get canceled? Are people going to stop? Or is the podcast going to get canceled? Is my coaching brand going to get canceled? It's like what? Who? No. Well, maybe, but I don't could, care. Like try, try. You know, try. Right. Fine. If you want to cancel us, try. But I think you would be much better suited to try to take away some things from the, from what we have to say, because we have come a long ways. All of us, all four of us that are on this call right now have come a long way in life. And I, you know, maybe I'm being arrogant here, but I, I think we have a lot of great things to share. And if you think I'm being arrogant, I don't care. Stop listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're so brave, Kyle. Yeah, that was, brave. yeah, just I kidding. To be just kidding. Asshole. Go, yeah. <laughs> hey, just go, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Just go buy some ideal swag. I mean, the but, way I look yeah. at it is, is if, if you and I are having a conversation, a respectful conversation, and you're sharing your opinion, and I get offended, whose fault is that? Yours. Exactly. It's my fault for getting offended. Why am I taking offense to this? Because I'm not open-minded, and I can't take the opinion of someone else's? No, that's just my ego talking, saying that I'm right and Kyle's wrong. I might be wrong. But I mean, you could be, but for yeah, me getting offended, that's my fault. Dr. Phil said this when he was on Rogan's podcast was just because you can be offended doesn't mean you should. You should and say it like he does, like he talks. If just because you can be offended doesn't mean you should. <laughs> was that good? Did I that nail was it? You nailed it. I was not expecting that. I was like, this is going to be garbage. It was actually really I can good. Do, I'm, I can actually do some pretty good uh, impersonations. So. <laughs> oh, man. Oh God, that was good. So where was I? Now I got completely Sorry. sidetracked. I have no <laughs> idea where I was going with that. We're talking about being oh, offended. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that whole this comes that this one comes down to ownership. You're allowing other people to impact your life in a manner and make you unhappy. If you're offended, you're not happy. And you're allowing somebody else to control your emotions. So get emotionally intelligent, take accountability take ownership and move on. You don't have to be offended. It's, it's that easy. It is that easy. I, I used to do it all the time. I'd see something on social media and I would get, I don't even want to say offended, but I would engage, I would get angry. I would get upset and I would engage in this conversation that it would go freaking nowhere. And the only thing that it did was upset me and potentially ruin my evening, my day, whatever it may be. It is so easy to just keep scrolling and not worry about it. I do it in converse, in text messages, in group text. People will say stuff that bothers me deeply, and I've just, I just, I just don't respond. It's that easy. It's great. I got way far off. I don't know where we were. We were talking about podcast coaching. Your strength about being direct. That's how we got here. <laughs> and I can confirm. I would absolutely say that without you pointing it out, Lena. That is one hundred percent your strength. And what we should all be doing is surrounding ourselves with more people that are direct, that will tell us when we're screwing up or telling us when we could do something better or telling us that, hey, maybe you need to think about it this way. That is how you improve. That is how you consistently improve. And that's what you have done for me over and over and over again with many things, the podcast, the coaching business, real estate, trying to refocus me and just tell me, Hey, this doesn't sound like it's something that you actually want to do all of those things. It's what we should be doing as friends is, is doing that. But instead 
typically as friends, we get offended and then you don't want to do that. You don't want to bring it up because I'm going to lose this friendship. Well, if your friend can't handle that, do you really want them in your life in that close of a manner? I don't know. How do you feel about that, Lena? Well, so that's, that's what I was going to say. Like, I, I can say all of those things, but what you always did very, very well was act very emotionally intelligent and handle it and say, you know what, I'm going to think about this. And just because I said it doesn't mean that you need to internalize it. You know, like you don't need to agree with what I said, but you do contemplate it. And that's all that I can ask for. And so I can be direct, but if the other party doesn't listen to anything that I say and doesn't try to process it or even consider it, it doesn't get anywhere. Yeah, I will leave the details out of this one, but somebody just gave me really direct feedback. It wasn't Lena. It was somebody the other night. And then they apologized for it. And I understand where the apology came from, but I needed to hear what that person said. That person helped me come up with my entire coaching, like the, well, our entire coaching framework today because of that direct feedback that I got from that person that potentially changed in such an absolutely positive manner, our entire direction that we're going with our business. That's what direct feedback can do for you, especially if you're emotionally intelligent enough to listen to it. You might not agree with all of it. It doesn't mean that you're going to agree with all of it. It doesn't mean that you have to take all of it, but just don't get offended so you can actually hear what they're saying. Well, part of a coaching relationship is being coachable. If you're not coachable, it's not going to work. Yes. And part of being coachable is not just listening blindly to what somebody tells you. It's being able to think about what what they're saying and internalize it and go, hmm, is it really this happening or no? Like I'm seeing blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm not really feeling that though. So no, actually, I don't think it's that. Yeah, 100%. That was a great point, Randy, and great point, Lena. So we have... I don't even know how long we're, we're on zoom today. There's no timer. We could probably go on for hours and hours and hours. So let's wrap up with our three questions here. So rapid fire, rapid not, fire. You have not rapid. Thir- 13 and a half seconds to answer Ooh. each question. And if you are wrong, <laughs> you owe us all a hundred dollars and 200 burpees. A lot of burpees. All right. burpees. Pressure's on pressure's on who's got the timer. Uh, <laughs> anyway, got it. so of the ideal skills, so recapping those for everybody, intentionality, discipline, emotional intelligence, accountability, and loyalty, which is your biggest challenge and what are some of the things that you do to work on that, Lena? Emotional intelligence, 100%, 1,000%, hands down. I was raised in a family of immigrants. We moved here in 91 from Moldova. I speak Russian fluently. And what that means is when you are raised Soviet, you have no emotions. <laughs> yeah, I feel but like really. you should be drinking solely when you say that. <laughs> but really. It doesn't even sound Russian. Yeah, that, that's a fake accent. No. <laughs> I, I can do better. I can do better. <laughs> when, I want to hear when Dr. You, when you have emotions. Can you do Dr. Phil, but with a Russian accent? Absolutely not. <laughs> It's the only accent that I can do. So no, 
so anyway, so yeah, so I was raised in a household where like we didn't have emotions. I wasn't allowed to feel it was weird if I was upset or anything. And we don't talk about feelings either, like Bruno. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know why that came up, but anyway. Because uh, it's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle has no idea what's going on right now. Uh, I was thinking Bruno, it, never mind. I, yeah, I had some movie in mind. And actually in my head, I was thinking of what's the Sasha Cohen movie? Sasha Baron Cohen? Yeah. It's what, Bruno. What's, yeah, but I'm Whoa. thinking of Borat? the other Borat. I'm Borat. thinking of Borat. That's why I was laughing because I was. You will never get this. Not, not, not. King of the Castle. Well, Kyle, your homework tonight is to watch Encanto. So yes, give it a watch. Phenomenal movie. Great I movie. I won't be doing it tonight because it's 7:45, and that means I have like an hour until bed. So. Oh, well, we don't talk about Bruno. Remember it. This has been way longer than 13 and a half seconds. <laughs> no, Lena. Lena, getting back to it, you said it was not normal for you to. Feel emotions and things. Brian's so superpower day, day. is getting us back on track. That's Brian's superpower. I like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> seriously though, what is it that day to day now that is your toughest struggle still? Is it still with your family and showing emotion, or is it with your rant, you know, everyday friends? Where do you struggle with that the most? So it, it kind of bled into every part of my life. And I also, I got, kicked out of, I got kicked out of law school at some point in my life. And that really was hard for me. And I think after all of that, like not being able to display a lot of the emotions that I had, I would, I, I could tell you I'm not feeling right, right? Like I could be like, I don't feel good, but I can't tell you that I'm anxious. I can't tell you that I'm sad. I'm disappointed. I wouldn't. I wasn't able to pinpoint exactly what that emotion was. And I went to a retreat in January of this year. And my coach, Aaron Belke, had a really weird thing that I did. He said, what color do you feel right now? And so I would be like, mm, I'm feeling green. And then I would be able to place that feeling. So what it is, is it's the ability to like, I know colors. I can identify colors. That is something that I know very, very well that I have a lot of experience with. And then being able to make the tra transition from color to feeling really helped. And that feeling could be different every, like, so like blue could mean sadness, but it could also mean content. Could, it, you know what I mean? So like that part doesn't matter, but it's the going through colors because I had a lot more experience with colors than emotions that helped me place those emotions and so what i do now is check in with myself that's interesting we use that at Rand school randy's zones screwed. of regulation is what we call that yeah. you're colorblind though you're screwed i am colorblind but we do the same <laughs> thing we use green blue red and yellow are the colors the kids identify it with yeah i would i would even go as far as like i sometimes would say like periwinkle or <laughs> periwinkle were you being you... a smart ass at that point or were you like, <laughs> I just, I just mean, there's, there's so many different feelings that are not just yeah. happy, sad, angry that mm -hmm. I want to reflect that too. And what's funny is prior to the retreat or actually when, when he first asked me, he, he showed me like all of, all of these markers and he's like, what color do you feel right now? Choose one. I chose gray. And so what does gray represent to you in gray that moment? Was just or like what? feeling nothingness. Like I just felt, I, I don't know, just. Reminds me, Eeyore. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gray was a lot of my life. Well, and if you look back at was it Pooh that they all represented emotions, didn't they? Did they? Yeah. I don't know. I think I know in I uh, the they, movie. They did. Or oh no no no! I remember what it was, and I don't know if this is actually true. There was a theory out there that they all represented disorders. Eeyore was depression. T- Tigger was. ADHD was bipolar or ADHD <laughs> or something and poo poo yeah they there was a theory I don't know if that is true or anything but there was this fan theory out there that they all represented something something different from a disorder standpoint all right so that was the first question so thank you 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 and it's funny because I think that's all of our biggest opportunities and I think part of that is just being a human being like it's we're emotional things we're emotional beings so it's it, it it's challenging the who has the next question Ooh, i'll take it who wants to take it Ooh, ooh. what book would you say has had the biggest impact on your life and why you would have thought that i would have like prepared for this question no you got to wing it sometimes winging it's even better you know what book comes to mind is the giver which is interesting because i read that in seventh grade eighth grade and have you guys read it I, I probably have did not in school because I think <laughs> I skipped all the books. <laughs> but I did read this one. So the the premise is kind of there's this guy. So they they live in this dystopian society where history is gone, and there's this one guy who keeps all of the memories, and each person just kind of has a job, and they do that job, and he's the one who kind of holds all the memories of society, and it's funny because if we talk about emotional in- intelligence and how it relates to colors, their world was black and white and he held color. And so mm. it was kind of like, we're painted by what's happened to us in the past. And all of those experiences kind of paint our current experience. And I think that that's really, really powerful. Yeah, Damn. that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, that's deep. I like, you know, I go to can't hurt me because I I go to can't hurt me because I love David Goggins. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Brian, you got the, the last one. Well, what it is. (laughs) uh, At this point. No, I don't. We've talked about so much. You want me to tell you what it is? Yeah. Lena, Lena's better prepared. (laughs) Well, then hit us, Lena, if you already know it. Tell us. Well, Lena, what is the piece of advice that you would leave yes, our viewers right. with. She nailed yeah. it. Thanks, Lena. <laughs> Lena, thank, thank you for all the listens that you've given to the podcast also, by the so way. We're going we're gonna to edit that part out. Lena, <laughs> nope. can you tell us what, what piece of advice you would give our listeners and why? I would give... Don't go on the Ideal Impact podcast. Why? It's they don't, been, they don't I've, know what I've had doing. so much fun. No, 100% do this. <laughs> I've, I've had the time of my life. It's also Friday night, by the way. So, like, this is how we're all choosing to spend right. Friday night. How else would you spend a Friday night? Sleeping. Why is your room so dark? Because I don't yeah, have a light in dark. here. Oh. Yeah. I thought, oh, okay. I, like, didn't, I didn't realize that, like, it gets dark, dark at night. So. I just yeah. realized, like, the light went off. I'm like, what the, what the hell happened? Yeah. I, I thought you had a clapper and you had to clap it back on or something. I don't have a ring light, like oh. all of you people. 
She's wow. a Sith Lord. <laughs> I'm sitting in my car right now. And it's pretty dark as well. <laughs> flip your flip your uh, visor down and turn the makeup light on. There you there go. You <laughs> oh, that's fancy. My 2000 Toyota Camry don't have that. <laughs> All right. All right. So, advice. Bad advice. Let's hear it. Should be practical. Should it not be practical? I don't know. I think, I think I want to take it back to intentionality. And I think my piece of advice is to take a second, take a couple minutes one day to just sit down somewhere in nature and really think about the decisions you've made and why you've made them. And to really dig deep on that. I don't know. I think that that's, I think that that's an awesome piece of advice. And I think that the three of us can relate to that. I just did it last week. And I'm preparing myself to do the same. And I have it on my one sheet for Emerge for the mastermind to take a weekend alone this year. So that's yes. something that I've never done. I want to do that yeah. so bad. Please, please tell all of us about it because I think it's a phenomenal idea. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't scheduled it yet just because things are up in the air with us. We <laughs> so we put an offer in on a house back in Ohio yesterday evening. And then I walked into a local business today here in Texas, and I was inquiring about potentially putting up a an ice vending machine in their parking lot. That's that's one thing that I really want to get done before I leave Texas. And just so happened that their business is for sale. And now I'm talking to the real estate agent and looking into potentially buying this business, which would be crazy. It, it It's a lakefront property. It's a bait and tackle shop. And it's so funny because I was just talking about doing kayak and paddleboard rentals. And they just so happened to do kayak and paddleboard rentals. Oh, and also crazy. have two, yeah, yeah, pretty wild. And they also have two cabins behind the bait and tackle shop that they rent out and do very, very well, being that it's a lakefront property. So it took, a, and I will say this, it took a whole lot of discipline for me to walk into that freaking business today. I, I didn't know what exactly what I was going to say. And I was just honest. I walked in, I got over it. I almost didn't stop. I sat in the parking lot for a few minutes, actually. I and contemplated what the hell I was doing. And I finally just said, do it. Just go. What is the worst case? And it's going to happen. What's the worst scenario? I went in there and I just told the owner, I'm like, Hey, you're the first person that I'm pitching this to. So this is going to be my practice elevator speech. And I, I, you know, bear with me. And again, they ended up, she's like, well, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to muddy the waters with the potential sale and by putting this ice vending machine up, but the business is for sale and I love doing it, but I'm 58 and we ended up just adopting, uh, adopting a younger kid and we, I want to be at home and look what happens that, that, and nothing has happened yet, but just by putting myself out there, I went from potentially doing an $80,000 business by buying the size vending machine, which I will do, even if I purchase this, I now can put it on my own property to potentially an $800,000 business just by getting over my fear and leveraging that discipline and having a conversation. So all of these skills, we promise you can absolutely change your life and also, again it all all starts with discipline 
How proud are you of yourself? Because like I am sitting over here super proud of the fact that you went and did that. And like, what a what a nod to entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah, that's that is the if I had to put one emotion with it, when I walked out of that building, I was damn proud of myself. I I couldn't believe because the guy that I was and again, this is a constant journey, right? I've come a long ways in the last year. I've come a really long way in the past few months. And that is because I have people in my life like Randy, like Brian, like Lena, like my coach, Aaron Velke, like my some of my friends back home, my community in Emerge Go Abundance. You, your wife, will ch- your wife. My, well, yeah, obviously <laughs> my wife, if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be here doing this whole thing because she is, she has encouraged me to take all of this risk and to maintain her W2 job to allow us to do, allow me to do what I'm doing. And she has more faith in me than anybody. When I'm doubting myself, she is right there to pick me back up and to catch me and say, you're crazy you're going to be successful at anything you do. And you know what that comes down to? Discipline. That's discipline. What she sees in me is that discipline that sometimes I forget that I have, you know? So to have her there to remind me of all that shit, incredible. So yeah, but anyway, being intentional with your circle, including your spouse, <laughs> will change your life. <laughs> it will change your life. So yeah, thank you. That was an absolutely incredible episode. This is the most fun. And we just keep having more and more fun when we're doing these freaking podcasts. And that is the best freaking part. It's a Friday night. It's 7.57. Three years ago, I would have been drunk. Also probably <laughs> having some fun, but not as much fun as I'm having right now. And I don't have to have a hangover tomorrow morning. So that's even better. That is a plus. Yeah. Before so, you know, we go any further, oh, my fun is about to run out. Here he is putting us back on track. <laughs> Well, no, it's because my phone's about to die because I was <laughs> ill-prepared. But before the fun runs out, don't we have one other, not really a question, but more or less uh, something we wanted to ask Lena to tell us about how to get a hold of her, where yep. we can find oh, that's her. That's right. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so yeah, Look so at Brian dude, nailing it. Remind it, yeah. dude, he's, I'm telling you, he's on top of things. So remind it, this is why, wait, you were, we, the, we were the E6s. Were you an E6? I was promotable, but I was medically discharged. So I never got the six. So that's a damn it. Yeah. You damn should have been. Brian, you should have been in charge. So Lena, yeah, share again, share the podcast where we can find it and how to reach you, where to get to you on social media. And not only so listen to the podcast, but Lena's constantly putting out good content on social media as well. So I highly suggest you follow her there. So the podcast is Raising Humans. You can find us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. My Instagram is Lena Dubo, L-E-N-A-D-U-B-O. And that's the best way to reach me. Shoot me a message. It was funny because I had no I had no clue that your last name was actually Dubavaya for a while. I thought it I thought it was Dubo. <laughs> It'd be a lot easier. I'll, I'll also say you, you never asked me how to say it and you you say it perfectly. I I just wung it. I'm like, I'm just gonna say it how it looks and it's we'll, phonetic, we'll but it that's out. that's the whole yeah. point, right? It's phonetic. Secretly, he's fluent in Russian, he speaks it right. <laughs> I did I say that before? So my whole life, my mom, I was raised as being 50% Polish. 
my my grandparents spoke Polish. My mom's I'm 100% Polish, 100% Polish. She's actually 0% Polish. She is 100% <laughs> Russian by blood. My my grandparents' <laughs> families were they lived in Poland, but they I guess they weren't Poland Polish. So here we are. But Poland's been invaded like you know countless really times, times over the over the century. So. Anyway, so yeah, thanks everybody for listening again. Ideal, the Ideal Impact Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn. We're promoting the coaching, what we're doing with it, the new direction that we're taking with discipline. It's not a whole new direction. It's just a much more concise, focused thing that we're doing based around discipline and how to leverage that discipline with the four other ideal skills. So super excited about that. And the monthly connect call. So June 20th from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern time, we have our monthly connect call. This month, we are going to be tackling accountability. And this month, instead of a bookmark, we're stepping it up a notch and we're Whoa. giving all attendees an ideal impact coffee mug. It's oh, the most incredible. It's the most incredible coffee mug you're ever <laughs> going to have. It's made from high density ceramic not your standard ceramic that uh, I'm just kidding. It's it's your coffee is guaranteed to taste 1000% <laughs> better. It's guaranteed to taste like your 10 coffee. times more. Yeah. It will make you piss discipline. That's, that's <laughs> yes. how I put it. We should have put that on the mug. I was going to say, dude, what are we thinking? <laughs> Damn it. We have a new catchphrase. <laughs> you will piss Pissing discipline. discipline. <laughs> Oh man, that's that awesome! Painful. It does. Sounds like it would hurt. Sounds amazing. If I might add it's in it. there, like you will shit excellence and piss discipline. I you know, like that. Ooh, that's gotta keep that. I like that. That's nice. It's gonna burn. It might burn a little, but that's, <laughs> <point>. <laughs> that's just the discipline leaving your body. <laughs> Embrace the discomfort. Uh, anyway, all right, awesome, great episode. Thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next time for episode number eight. Wow. Randy, I think you have something to say. (laughs) Hey, everybody. If you like what you heard today, please check us out on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And don't forget to head to Eventbrite and grab one of the 10 tickets available for our monthly Ideal Connect call. Then when you're ready to take the next step, message us on any of our social media pages to book a free coaching consultation call to see how we can help you start living your own ideal life. Thanks again for all of your love and support, and always remember, you have everything you need to achieve success, it's just a matter of believing.